Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Banking Weekly from the Financial Times with me, Patrick Jenkins. Joining me in the studio today are Stephen Morris, our European banking correspondent, and Graham Barrow, the financial crime expert who is our guest this week. Down the line, we're joined by Richard Milne, our Nordic correspondent, and from New York by Rob Armstrong, our US financial editor. This week, we'll be talking about Deutsche Bank as it progresses merger talks with Commerzbank. Secondly, a look at Swedbank, the Swedish bank that's caught up in a money laundering scandal. And finally, to the US, where Wells Fargo has ditched its chief executive. First, though, to Deutsche. And Stephen, we've been awash with news stories uh, out of the whole Deutsche Comets tale. You've broken quite a few of them in conjunction with Olaf in, in Frankfurt and other colleagues. What's been the most interesting, do you think? You had an interview with the transaction banking head on Monday. What did he have to say? Well, yeah, Stefan Hoops, he's a real rising star, you know, um, promoted by CEO Christian Saving to run, you know, really the only functioning part of their investment bank, the ones that handles global cash management, transaction services, the kind of nuts and bolts of banking rather than, you know, sort of the more glamorous trading side. And he basically was trying to, in an on-record interview, us was trying to calm fears that a merger with Commerce Bank will result in what's called in the industry revenue dissynergies, which basically means the combined entity will have less revenue or income than the two of them separately because clients will have to leave the banks because they hit up single name exposure limits or because they're worried that they won't get as much attention from them. And he said that uh, what he called helpful US and French banks had already started sniffing around their clients, trying to persuade them that they're going to get worse service, you know, as these uh, Deutsche and Commerce try and work out a merger and start cutting them off. So it was quite an interesting interview. It really sort of goes to the heart of Deutsche Bank getting out there trying to sell a much more positive vision of this merger, because it has actually been maligned on pretty much every side. Yeah, all the rhetoric really up to now from outside the bank has been negative. It's hard to find anyone who's positive about this deal. Mm -hmm. Another story that we broke last week was around the likely capital raising that's going to have to go alongside this deal of up to 10 billion euros. And that rather freaked the market a little bit, didn't it? Well, it did. Remember, Deutsche Bank has already raised about 30 billion euros in the past decade or so uh, to fix various problems, each of which it promised was the last one. So to come back for another double digit whack uh, certainly wasn't well received initially. We reported that the government would prefer Deutsche Commerce to raise at the upper end of that spectrum, putting to bed the capital question for this, you know, new national champion, you know, reducing the possibility that they come back in another few years saying, hey, we need a little bit more just to, you know, put us on a sure footing. However, you know, management want to raise a bit less than the full 10 billion to kind of get investors who are very dubious about the economics and financial merits of this deal already, let alone having to put more money in to maintain the same stake. Yeah, it does feel like they're fighting an uphill struggle uh, at the moment. We'll see how that pans out in future weeks. Thank you, Stephen. 
So let's move on to our second topic, and Swedbank, which is the latest Nordic bank to get seriously into hot water over a money laundering scandal. Now, to give us the background to this, I spoke earlier to Richard Milne, our Nordic correspondent. So, Richard, I know there are kind of legal limitations on exactly what we can say here, but what is Swedbank accused of doing? At its basic level, what has come out in an investigation by Swedish public TV, SVT, is that internal documents from Swedbank suggest that what they called the high-risk non-resident portfolio, so this is risky customers from Russia and other ex-Soviet countries, that 135 billion euros was moved through Swedbank in Estonia. Now, it's um, the market leader in Estonia, but it's also the market leader in Latvia and Lithuania. So we're talking about dozens of billions of euros of questionable money flows. U.S. regulators have asked it uh, what are its connections to do with a number of known money laundering schemes, such as the Russian laundromat, uh, the Panama Papers on offshore companies, and Danske Bank, um, and some failed banks, uh, such as Latvia's ABLV and Yukio in Lithuania. So um, we're still in the early stages of really building up a picture of exactly what's gone on. But um, it's fair to say Swedbank is facing allegations from sort of all sorts of corners. The bank was raided by police. Uh, The prosecutors in Sweden upgraded their investigation from just looking at whether Swedbank broke uh, insider information rules to whether they'd committed uh, aggravated fraud, which is, uh, you know, an extraordinary probe. And finally, we revealed that US regulators are probing uh, Swedbank over the money laundering allegations. And so, therefore, it was kind of no surprise that Swedbank's board decided to fire its chief executive. Birgitta Bonnison, the former chief executive now, used to be head of Swedbank in the Baltics, uh, which is where most of these allegations of money laundering um, come from. And really, she just paid the price for what's now turning into a hugely damaging scandal for Swedbank. And you've been reporting uh, also on the government reaction to this, which is pretty extraordinarily uh, harsh as well. Yes, I I think it's fair to say that really... Sweden's reputation is on the line here, just as Denmark's reputation was on the line. I mean, these are countries that pride themselves on extremely low levels of corruption uh, inside their borders, um, that also pride themselves on very high level of trust between individuals, between individuals and government, but also between individuals and companies. And the problem with the Swedbank scandal, as with the Danske Bank scandal beforehand, is it puts all of that at risk. Um, And so I think uh, ministers in in both countries are extremely worried um, about this trust dimension, that if it erodes uh, people's trust in society, not just in in the specific bank in question, it's very dangerous. And I think what you see uh, from the, the, the government in the past few days here in Stockholm is that basically Swedbank is turning into something of a case study in how not to handle a money laundering scandal. Remind us of the background to this, because as you say, the Danske Bank's uh, money laundering scandal kind of blew up several months ago now um, and had uh, dates back many years, of course. Um, How is uh, what happened there linked to the Swedbank revelations? 
Well, it's definitely linked. They both were Nordic banks that went into the Baltics um, in the early 2000s, late 1990s. You know, this was the new land of growth and opportunity. And they were extremely hard hit in the financial crisis. The Baltic economies, you know, were totally decimated. And so in the recovery some of these banks started making pretty good money. Uh, Danske made just sort of extraordinary returns in Estonia and uh, Swedbank did well. It's the largest bank in the Baltics. And suddenly the head of Danske in the Baltics and the head of Swedbank in the Baltics both become chief executive of the banks altogether. And then they're hit by these allegations, which is basically that uh, Russian oligarchs and criminals and People from other ex-Soviet countries have used these banks and others to move hundreds of billions of dollars of money through the financial system and into the Western financial system and, and out, well, nobody really knows where the money's gone. Just a final word on where you think this is going next for, for Swedbank or indeed for any other banks in the region. Well, we've kind of seen this movie before with the uh, Dansker. I think it sets uh, the pattern for this, which is that you need a change of leadership at the top. And as Dansker found out, a change of chief executive isn't sufficient, really. You need an outsider to come in at the head of the board. So I think um, Swedbank's board is facing enormous questions, enormous pressure. There's widespread dissatisfaction with how they've handled this, with how they've communicated about it. And then beyond that, really what you're looking at is an investigatory work from US regulators, which can obviously impose very heavy fines, and also uh, counterparts in Sweden, Estonia, Denmark, Latvia, um, which would take years to go through everything. So, you know, this is a problem that's going to stay with these banks for a very long time. And finally, are other banks getting drawn into this as well, do you think? Well, you're seeing some signs of that. Handelsbanken is unusual because it's the only one of really the big Nordic banks full stop not to have gone into the Baltics. Um, it chose the UK instead. But regulators in the various Baltic and Nordic countries have criticised uh, really all the banks for the their controls at one time or another. So it seems, you know, that after the financial crisis, being a Nordic bank was seen as a very positive thing. Right now, with all these money laundering allegations, being a Nordic bank is a bit of a liability. We'll keep watching. Richard, thanks so much for joining us. Now, to put that in broader perspective, um, we're joined by Graham Barrow, who is a financial crime expert. Graham, thanks very much for coming in. Pleasure to be here. You've heard what Richard had to say. From your point of view, what are we missing here? Is there a kind of broader questions we need to be asking? Well, I think we are missing some things, but it's one of those situations where we may not yet know what it is that we're missing. And that's partly because so far, uh, Swedbank, uh, one, have initiated an inquiry. That's been a very limited approach, and therefore there is potential for much greater jeopardy for them and for the overall banking system in Europe uh, if and when they decide to look further. Clearly, at the moment, Swedbank have lost their CEO. Um, they have not handled their um, uh, PR very well at, at all. Um, uh, and it's likely, I think, that this will spread to other areas in the Baltics. Yes, because we saw when um, the Dansker affair emerged that there were obviously uh, immediate um, 
parties that were collateral damage in that affair, so-called correspondent banks, those that dealt with Danska beyond their own areas of operation. And of course, Deutsche Bank was was one of those that got dragged into that Mm. affair. I guess we're likely to see the same correspondent banking relationships or similar ones in the Swedbank affair. I think that's true. And and there are extraordinary um, correlations between what happened at Danska and what's now happening at Swedbank. Danska started off as a relatively small amounts of money and over time grew and grew and grew until it ended up 200 billion euros. Uh, I think Swedbank started off at 4 billion, then went to 10, and now they're talking 130 billion euros. And because that sort of money has to be cleared out of the Baltic, so I think there are correspondents who will be frantically checking through their exposure to Swedbank as much as they are to Danska. Why is this such a European banking issue at the moment? We've had, you know, apart from these two, there have been other incidents over the past uh, six to 12 months that have emerged. Is it just European banks are not as sophisticated as their rivals elsewhere in the world, where presumably money launderers are not getting their business done? (laughs) Or not getting it identified? Um, I mean, I think that's an incredibly interesting question. I think it's a multi-pronged answer, Patrick. I think... We have only a relatively newly matured banking system in understanding the risks that they face against a highly sophisticated group of money launderers who know exactly how to leverage the current European banking system to make their job that much easier. And the European banking system at the moment is quite fragmented in as much as we have individual responsibility for supervision and regulation in each European country, and they're not always consistent. And also you have extremely rigid rules about information sharing. So with the advent of, for example, GDPR, banks are quite frightened about sharing information. And I think we may come to this in a minute, but Swedbank have had a bit of an issue over the weekend about that. So I think what we're seeing is that highly sophisticated criminals are leveraging that opportunity across Europe to have effectively uh, footprints in lots of different countries so that the entire network works very well, but no one country holds any specific oversight or jurisdiction uh, over what's happening. Uh, finally, tell us more about what emerged over the weekend in terms of Swedbank's relations with the authorities that are investigating. Are they digging their heels in here? Well, they are. They've, they've come out fighting. And I have to say that my own view of that is I'm not sure that's a very sensible a- approach because Danska ultimately realised that the best way to handle these is to do a great big mea culpa and rebuild trust. But but Swedbank have decided to hire this firm of solicitors called, slightly confusingly, Nordea, not to be confused with Nordea, who are at the bank, the bank. Uh, who have charged the prosecutors with stepping outside of their remit and asking for information which is clearly client privilege and therefore um, you know they had no right to ask for this information. And that begs a huge question, which is that if the bank is aware that they have client information which is indicative of financial crime, applying privilege to that seems like a very potentially serious course of action. Absolutely. We will keep a close eye on this whole affair as it emerges over the next months. Thank you, Graham, very much for joining us. Thank you. On to our third and final topic and a look at Wells Fargo. It's been still performing reasonably well, but Governance-wise, it's been a bit of a mess. Uh, We're joined now from New York by Rob Armstrong, our US financial editor, um, who's been monitoring everything. And uh, late last week, the chief executive resigned under pretty severe pressure, both from regulators and other parties, politicians in particular. What exactly has gone wrong there, Rob? Well, I think the 
crucial thing for Wells Fargo for a couple of years now, since the big fake account scandal broke about two and a half or three years ago now, has been getting onto sound footing with their regulators. And that, in particular, they have two key regulators, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency and the Fed. Both of them have what they call consent orders in place on Wells Fargo, meaning we're watching you, please update your governance and your controls as follows. And a couple of weeks ago, the then-CEO, Tim Sloan, was hauled before the House of Representatives Financial Services Committee and basically excoriated for about four hours, which in itself wouldn't have um, rung the death knell on his leadership of the company. But after that hearing, some enterprising uh, reporter, not myself, had the bright idea of calling the OCC and saying, what do you think about all this? And the OCC, in an extremely unusual, almost unheard of move, released an uh, apparently impromptu statement expressing its deep disappointment with Wells Fargo and its ability to get its governance stuff together. And that uh, may have been the final straw for Wells Fargo and Tim Sloan. It's interesting, isn't it? Because he was the man brought in, as you say, in the aftermath of that fake account scandal. Um, there have been other kind of smaller scandals that have emerged since, but none of it's uh, his doing, if you like. Um, is he just being blamed for kind of historical scandals? And, and is one of the reasons for that the fact that he was an inside appointment? He was a senior exec under the old chief executive when all these scandals were actually happening. I think you've put your finger on it. Yes, he was the new guy brought in. Yes, he came from the commercial banking side of the bank rather than the retail banking side of the bank where the really big problems and the scandals all emanated. However, I think what's happened here is that it just became untenable given the political and regulatory environment to have a career Wells Fargo person running the company. And that's reflected in the fact that after Tim Sloan announced his uh, resignation, the company said, we are starting a search and we're going to search for outsiders. So even though Mr. Sloan was not directly implicated in the scandals, the very fact that he'd been a senior leader at the bank when they happened was just too much. Yes, well, uh, now the hunt will begin for that outsider. I guess it's not something that happens very quickly, so I suspect you'll have a lot of reporting to do to find out when that's going to happen and who it's going to be, but I wish you luck. Well, that's it for this week. All that's left for me to do is to thank all my guests. That's Stephen and Graham here in London, Rob in New York, and Richard in Oslo. And also thank you for listening. If you're not already an FT subscriber, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com slash offer. And remember, you can keep up to date with all of the latest banking stories at ft.com slash banking. Banking Weekly was produced by Martin Staber. Until next week, goodbye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.